Welcome to the Mediumship Sisters podcast. Follow our evolution as we explore spirit, share stories, teachings, guests, and our soul's path. We are your hosts. Welcome back to the Mediumship Sisters podcast. This is season four, episode five. And today, Sierra, Catherine and I are beyond excited to welcome back Mark Anthony, the award-winning author of The Afterlife Frequency. Mark is an attorney and psychic medium with extensive background in science, quantum physics, survival of consciousness, near-death experiences, history, archaeology, philosophy, and theology. Mark's uh, quest to understand diverse belief systems and views of the afterlife have taken him around the globe. One day he is teaching in lecturing at an Ivy League university about quantum physics, and the next he's off to a remote location to explore ancient ruins and supernatural phenomena. Please welcome back Mark Anthony. Welcome, Mark. Paige, thank you. Uh, I'm Sierra, and thank you, Catherine. It's really an honor to be here. It's great to have you back. We're excited. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, we're so excited. We had so many listeners. Um, comment about having you on so many people interested in the book um tell us um a little bit more about the afterlife frequency and and what impact it's had i mean it's now an award-winning book you have reached lots of people that haven't that wouldn't have necessarily read about mediumship if that yeah no i understand i understand what you're asking it you know, obviously, every author that, that writes a book, you know, you, you you put so much of yourself into it, and you certainly hope for for the best. You know, because if you're doing it the the way the the way I do it, and the way that my colleagues who are authors do it, you put your body, mind, and soul into it, and it's been extremely humbling to see the impact that the afterlife frequency has gotten. I mean, within a month of its release, it was recommended by film icon Shirley MacLaine, which just blew me away. And Shirley, for everybody in the metaphysical field, we owe her a tremendous debt of gratitude because she was the first major celebrity to to go out there, an Academy Award winning actress. She was part of the Rat Pack back in the day with Frank Sinatra, Joey Bishop, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Peter Lawford. She was there the night Marilyn sang happy birthday to JFK. I mean, she's been part of of film history. And so she recommended it. Then I got notification from Columbia University that it was being considered for a Pulitzer Prize. Since that time, it won Metaphysical Book of the Year at the Cover Awards in the realm of reincarnation, afterlife, and death. it just won another award, and I'm not allowed to say what it is because they're going to announce it June 1st, which was amazing. And it's currently um, in the, the finals of the OMI Awards, which is sponsored by OM Times and I um, and iSpirit Media. So it's been gaining a lot of traction, and I understand it was just featured in uh, Psychic News, which is a magazine in the U.K., and in the t- in the time that that I've put it out, it has been received very well by the scientific community, 
and by both people of faith and people who are not necessarily of faith and even skeptics. So I've been very, very honored uh, of how the afterlife frequency and the theories that I'm introducing in the book have been received worldwide. Yeah, it's fantastic. I think that it's the one thing that we all agreed on is that there were so many points that would would appeal to all, which is amazing because as pe- people who are, you know, dealing with spirit and energy and, and mediums, people look at you as there's something different with you or what's wrong with you a lot of the time. And the book is like so great because you're like, actually, there's nothing wrong with us. We're just normal well, people. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to bring up um, something and I, and I get into this in the afterlife frequency, but it's also something that I talk about in my lectures. And when I was presenting in in 2022 at the Helping Parents Heal conference, they do a conference every two years, and I'll be presenting again in, I believe it's August of 2024. Let me tell you, um, standing on that stage in front of a thousand shining light parents, meaning they've lost children, was overwhelming. I mean, you know, it's my, my heart was just breaking because... You know, we all lose loved ones, but but losing a child is is the most painful, the most crushing, and uh, loss of all. And so, part of what I was talking about, and and I cover this in my my prior book, Evidence of Eternity, and even more so in my recent book, The Afterlife Frequency, is signs from spirits and picking up on them. And one of the things I was talking about is how many times do people feel that you see, you get a glimpse of a spirit in your peripheral vision, and then you turn, yes. and they, they seem to have vanished. And, and I said, how, how many how many people that has that happened to you? Every hand, thousand hands go up. And I said, and you think that the spirit vanished, or you thought it was your imagination. And I could see most of the men are like, you know. So I put up um, uh, in my PowerPoint, a big diagram of the human eye, and I said, There are two different structures within the eye. In the center of the eye, there are cones, and on the periphery of the eye, there are rods. Cones are for daytime vision. That's your direct vision. They see color, they see detail, but the rods see light and dark, and that is what governs your peripheral vision and nighttime vision. And I explained how astronomers um, have developed a technique called averted vision. And that's when you're looking at a comet. And if you look at a comet directly, you can't really see it. But if you look at it with your peripheral vision, you see it better. Why? Because you're using the rods, which are sensitive to subtle light patterns. They also don't see color. It's it's um, light, dark, and gray. And 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 so that's why, why ghosts in art and in popular popular culture have always been depicted as being gray and white is because when you pick up on that spirit, you're detecting the subtle um, EM band, the electromagnetic frequency of them. So you're seeing them in their peripheral vision and our natural inclination is immediately turn and examine it with our direct vision using the cones and they seem to disappear, but they haven't. And that's why people um, use mirrors to try to get ghosts because it recreates that averted vision technique. Because I said to a lot of people, ever been like in the bathroom, you look in the mirror and you think you see your child behind you and you turn and they vanished. And it's the same thing. 
And so I was explaining this. I said, this isn't hocus pocus or magic. This is based on the structure of the human eye because we can only see a limited um, part of the electromagnetic spectrum. Visible light. Let's say that um, you have a yardstick or a meter stick for our friends overseas. And what we can see with the human eye is maybe half an inch, okay, maybe a centimeter, all right? But everything else in the EM spectrum, ultraviolet X-rays, gamma rays, radio waves, um, you go on and on and on, are not visible to the human eye. Doesn't mean it isn't there. It's just that our, our biophysical apparatus is not capable of detecting it. And I said, so when you feel that you see your child, your loved one in spirit, in your peripheral vision or in, in a reflection in a mirror, this isn't your imagination. This is what's happening. And that's the, the response to the afterlife frequency is because I'm explaining the different forms of spiritual phenomenon, such as that, along with visitations in a dream. Uh, mediumship, which all three, of, uh, all four of us, all four of us here do, deathbed visions, near-death experiences, um, and and all of it is based on physics. This isn't magic. This isn't hocus pocus. It isn't demons, you know, impersonating your loved ones. That's all, you know, bronze and iron age superstitious nonsense. Um, namaste. Um, but but all those those. Um, all these type of spiritual phenomenon and contact experiences can be logically explained. And that doesn't negate the spiritual um, aspects of them, nor should it take away from your faith in an afterlife or the divine power, because those two are explainable through physics. Mm -hmm. I love how yeah, you explain that and also... I think you related in, in a couple of your books that you were raised Catholic. Is that right? Right, Mark? I, I was, I was supposed to be a Catholic priest even. And yeah. Um, yeah, I know, I know. Well, you know, it's not unusual to be drawn to the spiritual right. and um, when you're a medium, all, all of us understand that. And then I started, you know, especially being a guy. I mean, well, I don't want to say, especially being a guy, but it's like, eh, I don't know about all that, you know, um, uh, uh, and, and then I also thought that it was too restrictive from a belief standpoint. It's like, you know, when I, I hear people say, well, the teachings of the church or the teachings of the scripture or the teachings of the Quran, you have to believe this. And, and it's a very, very narrow field of what you're allowed to believe. And for those of us who communicate with spirits, those lines don't exist. And so I don't disapprove of religion, nor do, am I prejudiced against it. I think that religions serve very valid purposes. They give people a sense of community, a sense of connectedness. It's a conduit for spirituality. Uh, but the problem is when it ceases being, your, your faith ceases being about the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of Buddha, the teachings of, of, of Moses, and then it turns into a moral justification for somebody's anger, bigotry, hatred, violence, political agenda. Um, there's something that I, I posted on Facebook and I got like really intense feedback from is the ultimate act of ego, which is edging God out, 
is creating God in your own image so that he gets to hate the same people you do. And that's what so many religious people do. They turn God into this neurotic white guy sitting on a throne with a scepter smiting people when God is so much greater. God is pure love. God doesn't hate. Unfortunately, people do. Mm -hmm. Beautifully put. Mark and it's so lovely. Yeah. Mark, you do a great job. You've mentioned two of your books, The Afterlife Frequency and Evidence of Eternity. But as a grief counselor and a hospice worker, I loved your book, Never Letting Go, because uh, in that book, you talk so much about um, how to heal grief with help from the other side, which I think is hugely important for your work and for our work as mediums as well, because that's why we do this. What That's why we are all into mediumship is really, it's all about the healing with yes. help from the other side. And your, your book, Never Letting Go, does a fabulous job of explaining, making the excellent point that you really need to, in order to heal grief, you need to start with belief. And that in order to cope with grief, you need to really adjust and find a more positive understanding of death itself. And that to progress through grief, it helps to embrace, fully embrace a belief in God and the existence of the other side. And then once you start with that, then you can understand, expand on that through your belief and understand that our loved ones are really here with us. And that's, I think, your your entire point of how to heal grief is starting first to realizing that all of your loved ones are right here with us still, even now. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, Never Letting Go, um, that was my first book. And, and that's what I wanted to write was a guide on the journey through grief because I, I, I wrote it in the wake of my mother's passing because I, I um, had gone to some grief share groups at the Catholic Church, and all we we're hearing is, be comforted and not knowing. And then friends of mine who are Jewish said, oh, you're not supposed to go to mediums because we're not supposed to know. And it's like, stop it, okay? God didn't give us a brain, the most sophisticated you know, uh, uh, device uh, known um, to tell us we're not supposed to know things. That's religion, once again, maintaining control and dominance and through fear and ignorance when true spirituality is is about connecting with something that is much much greater than us and so that's why i wrote never letting go and in and once again if your faith community is helping you to get through the grief whether you know no matter what your faith um, system is then that's what you should do and the thing about grief is there's nothing we can do about the fact someone we love has died. But what we can do is change how we react to it. And in my work as both an attorney and as a medium, I've seen people's lives destroyed by grief. And they they start getting involved in, in uh, drug and alcohol usage or acting out like stealing things or being, you know, uh, sexual impulsiveness and that always has a good ending doesn't it okay um you know I, you know I, i've never met a, a drug addict or an alcoholic that that was a happy person i mean you know when your life is going really great you don't wake up one day and go you know i think i'll start shooting heroin okay that that doesn't happen it's because you're in pain 
and you start self-medicating. And I remember uh, one of the stories in Never Letting Go, there was this young guy who came to see me and I was looking at his rap sheet and he'd just been arrested for uh, drunk driving. And I saw like marijuana, I saw some minor drug charges, but everything was clean up to about 18 months before that. And I'm looking at his rap sheet and then all of a sudden I start feeling this female energy behind him and it was his mother. I go, what happened about 18 months ago? And he starts shaking and, and he got real, he said, my mother died. He goes, she was a single mom. I was all she had. She was all I had. And he goes, I can't handle it. And then he saw me looking over his shoulder and he looks back, he goes, you see things other people don't, <laughs> don't you? And and I said, do you ever feel her around? He goes, yeah, and I can't tell my friends because he was a surfer, you know, and surfers were like, you got to be my friend, you know, and, and he said, if I tell anyone, they're going to think I'm crazy. He goes, you see her, don't you? And, and you know, and I, I, I try not to do that with my, my criminal clients or any of my clients, but, you know, they all kind of figured it out after a while. But um, what I saw, and then, then from never letting go, um, I wrote about this in Evidence of Attorney, is what I call grief, crime, grief. And what I've seen, once again, as both a medium and as an attorney, is that if grief isn't dealt with properly, the grief can cause somebody to engage in behaviors that cause, that are criminal, drunk driving, um, drug usage, stealing, sexual impulsivity, rage, anger. The grief leads to crime, which leads to inflicting grief on another person. Take a drunk driver. All right, people who are drunk drivers and, and they kill somebody, they don't mean to do it that day when they woke up and they said, I'm not going to have, you know, 10 beers and go run somebody over tonight or cause an accident, but they do it anyway. And, and so with my, my drug and alcohol clients, when, when I was practicing full-time, I would also try to get them in grief counseling because what I found is in 99% of the time times in their childhood or early adult years, there was an unresolved death. And, and not everyone's from families like like probably we all are, where if somebody dies, you sit down and talk about it, you work through it, or you go to your faith community. It's like, don't think about it, dude. Here, drink this, smoke this, you know, oh, don't, you know, you can't tell a child, don't think about mm -hmm. grandpa dying, or why did mommy die, or why did my brother drown, all right? Because you can't, and, and even as an adult, you can't out- out smoke, out, out drink, out sex. You can't outmaneuver your grief. It has to be confronted. And so that's where the grief, crime, grief cycle uh, comes in. And I've seen that so many times. And that's one of the reasons never letting go is so important is because it helps people understand that you can get through this, but you need help. You yeah. know, your faith, your family, your friends, and the help is there. Yeah. It's so interesting. I feel like um, mediumship also has that ability to help people through their grief in such a beautiful yeah. way. Oh, wow. Like when you sit with somebody 
and you bring forward, uh, you know, their father or their grandma, whatever it is. And they just like light up and they're like, wow, like, how do you know that? And I can feel them. And then at the end, like I get goosebumps talking about it. Cause I'm like, it's such a beautiful experience to be able to share them with their loved ones and to, you know, just help them bring closure to their life. It's so lovely. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize about mediumship. They think, oh, you just talk to dead people. You're like, no, but there's so much <laughs> love and healing in this process. And that is why I do this as a service to help people heal and connect. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, people, yeah, you talk to dead people, that freaks me out. Well, <laughs> establishing contact between somebody here and their loved one's spirit is mm-hmm. it can bring uh, healing and resolution which are extremely important. And, and Catherine, you do work with hospice. So, you know, you under, understand that because so many people are dying and, oh, you know, why did I say, I wish you would have died? And why did I, you know, do this and do that? And sometimes you don't get the opportunity to say to somebody or to hear from somebody that that did terrible things to you. Um, you know, we all don't grow up in these model families. Some families, there there's really a tremendous amount of bitterness and mediumship can help that. And for families that didn't have that, mediumship still helps. And so, so Ciara, I mean, that's such an important point that you brought up. And what we also have to stress is that mediumship, spirit communication with your loved ones, is not, it's not the Harry Potter magic wand. Okay, your grief is over. Okay. Yeah. When Guardian Leviosa. Okay, yeah, I've seen the movies and read the book. Everybody's floating. Anyway. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen them all too. <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's another that's a whole nother <laughs> another story about that. And maybe I'll maybe I'll tell that story. But but the thing is, it's an important therapeutic step. Um, so mediumship, when you're ready for it. And I always recommend wait four to six months after the passing. A lot of people, oh, my loved one died yesterday. I went to, you know, and what it is, they're hysterical during the reading, they're crying, they're freaking out. Well, they're not going to get anything out of the reading. You've got to wait four to six months so that your emotions stabilize so that you will be able to receive the maximum benefit from the reading, even though you want the contact right away, because initially you're in shock. And then after a couple of weeks, the shock phase and the trauma sets in. And that's Mm -hmm. all that gnawing guilt and anguish and all that. And that's what the mediumship can help alleviate along with counseling, along with faith, along with um, healthy physical and mental practices. So Dealing with grief is a lifetime journey. You don't get over it. It is a process we go through. And mediumship is part of the healing process if you're open to it. And and I have to say this. I get a lot of um, my, my evangelical friends. Well, how do you know it's not a demon impersonating your loved one? Okay, so the demon comes through and pretends it's your Aunt Betty and wants to bring you messages of healing, love, resolution, take the pain, the stress away from you, let you know that what Jesus said about an afterlife, an eternal life was real, and you come out of it feeling joyful, uplifted, and having hope. That sounds real demonic to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know more um, Mark, you mentioned this, and I think it's so important. And I've read in your books that this has happened, been your experience as well. But in many of my mediumship readings, we have actually healed the relationship between spirit and the and the loved one here on earth. 
in in things that were left unsaid or uh, apologies that were never made, regrets that were never expressed. And I think most people just don't realize that's possible, but it is possible. And the spirits on the spirit side, they want to apologize just as much as the loved one here needs and wants to hear it. So I know you've you've had that experience. So I thought you might want to talk about how healing it can be even after death with the communication um, through mediumship. Oh, there, there are so many, so many examples. Um, the other day, actually, I was doing a reading for a woman and she really wanted to talk to her mother, but I said, well, there's a gentleman coming in first and I'm describing him and she goes, oh, my father. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one of the first things he said was, I'm really sorry that I never appreciated you. I never told you that I loved you. And I'm sorry for not being, I mean, he went through this whole litany. Um, at first, you know, when you, when you start getting that, I was like, oh God, did he molest her? He didn't molest her, but, but he psychologically browbeat her and treated her like she was nothing. And then he started explaining, I, I said, now he's showing me uniform military action. And she said, well, yeah, he was, he was in the Vietnam war. And then he explained to me that he was so damaged psychologically and emotionally. So what it came out was he had severe PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, which was never treated, never dealt with. And next thing he's got children and he is psychologically and physically, he's, he, you know, he's to beat her, um, abusing them. And when it was, you know, when he was done and then her mother came through, she said, I feel better now because now I understand why he acted the way he did. And I said, look, don't expect you to get over this today. And, and you may never. And that's OK if you don't. But now you know why he behaved the way he did. And now you know that as a spirit, he's free of the PTSD, he's free of all that pain, so he can look at it. And he he basically said, not basically, he said to her, you deserved a father better than me, and I am sorry. And boy, did she need to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So healing, so incredibly healing. And the thing that is, that honestly that with all due respect to psychotherapists, what we as, as mediums can do that psychotherapists can't do is we can provide proof of the actual evidence, the proof, the facts, what actually happened that the psychotherapist will not know unless they're told by the patient. But once we provide the actual evidence without the patient telling us, that makes it more real for them. We bring it alive as proof that yes, that information could have only come from their own loved one and spirit. And that's to me where the healing occurs is the patient is not being told by the psychotherapist what to think or how to feel, but by their own loved ones who is admitting the facts and saying, yes, this is why, this is what happened. You remember this. I'm so sorry because of these reasons, just like you say. And for me, for me, that's why I feel like mediumship is even more healing in some respects than uh, in different respects than a psychotherapist session can be. 
Well, and and that's why they should be used in in tandem as well. And also, though, I want to caution uh, listeners about becoming a psychic junkie. Um, I get some people. Well, I just had a reading with the medium last week, and I had one before the week before that. Now I want you because I want Emma. I want. I want. I want. I want. And the I want. I want. I want floods the energetic field. Okay, with negativity. And then they start complaining, well, I, I'm getting a lot of the same messages I got last week and the week before. It's like, yes, because the afterlife frequency of the other side knows what you need to hear at this point in your life. And that's another reason that if you're going to have more than one reading with you know me or somebody else or any of you, you wait at least six months in between. Why? Because you're going to be at a different place emotionally mentally and spiritually and then you'll receive messages that are pertinent and relevant to you at that time because some people they just want to keep going keep going and what they're doing is they're they are using mediumship as a means of clinging on to the physical relationship with the person who is no longer physical and what i explain in in never letting go is that the objective through grief is getting, not, not getting over it, but getting to the point where you accept the reality of the death. And through that acceptance, you begin to experience inner peace so that your relationship transforms from one of a physical nature to one of a spiritual nature. And is, you know, and we live in an immediate gratification society. I mean, we put a cup of coffee in a microwave and press a button and it's steaming hot in you know less than a minute well it doesn't work that way with our emotions and so this is a, a lifetime process and so people that that you know they go for multiple readings and they want this and way they want that it's like you know you can be addicted to that too so you need to to space it out and also you have to watch out for the frauds the predators out there um, you see this a lot on Instagram where, where people start um, uh, impersonating, uh, and this happens to me and it happens probably to all of you, people impersonate your account and then they start hitting up your friends going, oh, I feel something about you. DM me and for 50 bucks, I'll give you a reading. Well, first off, I, I had you do that like to that. me on Instagram, yeah. by the way. I had yeah. a fake Mark Anthony tell me they felt something and wanted to give me a reading. I'm like, I actually know this Mark Anthony and this is not you. And I'm like, Report. no, and, and, you know, first off, I don't do that. Okay. I'm not going to solicit people. Yes, I have a website. Yes. You know, people want a reading with me, go to my website and schedule it. But I don't know. Oh, I have a feeling about you. I mean, and I actually had one one of my clients say, I did that. And then I realized it was phony. And I said, well, you've known me. Do you, have I ever done that? No. You know, so, so, but the thing is, you got to watch out for the frauds. And, and one of the reasons that, that, and I'm sure all of us do this, that I tell people on my website, in my books, don't tell me anything about you ahead of time. Because I don't want to be tainted by anything I know. Everything needs to come through from the spirit. Um, I was doing a reading for this really sweet little old lady. She had to be in her 80s. I could tell it was a phone reading. And because, you know, she, she was like, everything was, oh, gracious me. Oh, my, oh, my. You know, she looked a nice little old lady, like, you know, the grandmother, you know. And her uncle came through. And I start getting pilot, pilot. She goes, oh, yes, he was a pilot. You know, he died of cancer. He lived in Michigan. And he was the personal pilot for President Dwight D. Eisenhower. And I was like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Right. Basically, she gave me like his whole life story. Um, you don't do that. 
all I needed was, yes, he was a pilot. If, if the medium needs to know something else, we'll ask. Yeah. But, and, and so when, now when I give public events, I tell that story and I say, so if I say Dwight D. Eisenhower, that means let's rein it in, you know, because you know how some people you make a connection for, oh my God. And they immediately tell you everything about them. And I get it. They're excited and, and they want to tell you this, but that's not helping the medium because now my head is so flooded with information. I have to determine did I get that from the spirit or do I already know it? So like in the case of little old lady, maybe the next part of the message would have been something like Eisenhower, because maybe they used to live on Eisenhower Street. You know, you see, so there could be a lot of different facets to it. But that, that yeah, that, that that's a good <laughs> it is super common and because yeah, people get excited they want to have a conversation with you because now you're with them and they get off. yeah 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 i think hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah i know right yeah i i think that we have to get in that flow when we do a reading at first just to kind of bring in who we've got and then maybe allow a conversation or at least i do i don't know do you allow a conversation as it goes mark once you know who you have and kind of or do you like to get the message out before you have a dialogue it depends. Um, every, you know, spirits communicate very much like they did when they were alive. Uh, excuse me, when they are in physical form. As my friend and fellow medium, Rhonda Schwartz, said, we have one life and it's eternal. And so there are times we're in physical form and there's times we're in purely energetic form. But, you know, ultimately we're all we're all energy. And. So if the person in life, I'd say like, all right, I'm, my family's from New York, New Jersey. I was raised in Florida, but you know, the New York spirits, the Italian spirits, they want to be in your face. I'll tell you everything. All right. So some spirits communicate like that. And then there's the Midwestern spirits. Hi. Alrighty then. <laughs> and then there's the LA spirits. Oh, like, wow. Oh yeah. Like I totally died, you know, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm making a joke here and exaggerating, although they, they do. The thing is they're going to communicate like they did because this is them and they're bringing their personalities with us. Cause if, if they all came through strumming harps and, and floating on clouds, Oh, I am a spirit and I'm so happy. And, and, and I always tell people that's not mediumship. That's a Michelangelo painting. All right. That, and, you know, and being raised, you know, being Italian and being Catholic, it's like, you know, when I was a kid, that's what I thought heaven was like. It was like, you know, uh, you know, the Michelang gods, the wizened white, white man, of course, you know, with the long white beard and, and all this. And, and I thought, well, it'd be cool hanging out with, you know, angels and drinking Cabernet Sauvignon and, you know, and all this, but um those are those are human constructs and what we're dealing with is so far beyond our finite ability to understand it's like a lot of mediums and you guys may differ with me here uh, when i hear the as above so below oh no no and, and when i hear mediums especially some pretty high profile ones say that it's like wow you really don't understand what we're doing for example we can't understand what it's like, and, and the term I use is the electromagnetic soul. That's one of the terms I created in the afterlife frequency to describe what we really are, which is pure electromagnetic energy, but is a soul, a source of universal love, and which moves at the speed of light. And when we die, think of your EMS, your electromagnetic soul, as a drop of water that plunges into the eternal sea that I call the collective consciousness, mm -hmm. all right? And so when we're communicating with spirits, they're coming forward 
and they're going to give us a point of reference that we can relate to. And one of my favorite examples of this is I was doing a reading for this woman and her mother and father came through and all of a sudden I saw her mother standing in this villa overlooking Napa Valley sipping a great glass of Cabernet. And I'm describing this to her. I said, now your father's coming in and he's on a horse and I see a campfire and he's out and she goes, oh my God. She goes, my mother's favorite vacations were always in Napa Valley and she said, my dad loved going, he doing the cowboy thing in Montana. She goes, mom hated the cowboy um, vacations and dad couldn't stand the Napa Valley. And so what I explained to her is mom isn't in Napa Valley. Dad isn't in Montana. They're creating a point of reference to let you know that they're in the light, the afterlife frequency. They're in what we might call heaven. And for mom, your mom, the happiest place she had in this world was at these villas and, you know, wine tastings in Napa Valley. And for your dad is, you know, uh, doing the Roy Rogers home on the range thing, you know, and, and because I hear all these mediums going, oh, they're sitting at a cafe eating lamb chops in Paris. It's like, no, they're not. They're merely transmitting something to you that you can understand because what spirits are, electromagnetic souls, they move at the speed of light, 186,282 miles per second. They're part of the collective consciousness. They're able to be part of an information database we can't even begin to comprehend. So how can any of us possibly be able to relate to that? And spirits, having had a physical existence, understand this so that's why they'll create the Paris Cafe with the lamb chops so that we can relate to that. Yeah. Do you, I have a question about, um, do you think there are earthbound spirits and then spirits that have passed through to the light? And is there a difference between the two when you feel them? I love that question. This brings <laughs> up, oh, by the way, I love that show on TV called Ghosts. Have you guys seen that? Oh. oh my god it's hilarious this couple buys a and b in upper state new york and they get there and the wife gets hit on the head and after that she can see the ghosts that haunt it and oh. it's hysterical and they all come from different periods oh. in history yeah i've seen that it's great they're hilarious they're all like it, it's hilarious yeah and the music with the the, the violin <laughs> you know and, yeah. but um there's three schools of thoughts on hauntings and um, this is what I talk about on my paranormal lectures. First is that a spirit is somehow trapped here on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. I do not subscribe to this theory because as soon as the physical body ceases to function, the EMS electromagnetic soul reverts to a purely energetic state and they know it. Okay. And so they, they, they align with that. All right. The second one is that spirits, EMSs, will return to visit a particular site with some degree of regularity. And they have their reasons why they may do that. But, you know, why are they going to hang out there all the time? Once again, they move at the speed of light. So in the time it just took me to say that, a spirit could have been back and forth to the moon about eight times. That's how fast they move. So it's like, why would you hang out at a garbage dump when you can go be on Mount Haleakala in Maui? All right. So they're, you know, so they'll come back here. The third school of thought is that certain places, matter retains vibration. We all know this from psychometry, holding an inanimate object and picking up details about the person who owns it. 
And I've experienced this on several occasions. Once at Dachau concentration camp in Germany, when all of a sudden I found myself surrounded by images of the people, the 40,000 people slaughtered there. Um, I mean, uh, another time at a battle site in Hawaii that I didn't know there was a battle there. And I started, you know, I, we have it on film, actually. We were filming a, a project out there. And then, and then at Ground Zero in New York City, and in addition to several other places that I've been. And what happens is when something really intense, like a murder, certainly genocide, like at Dachau, it creates a vibration. And so the vibration of that activity remains, but the spirits there are no more a sentient electromagnetic soul. In other words, no more a conscious spirit then your reflection in a mirror is you. So what's going on there is it's actually a residual energy echo. And the people that come in and do clearings and, and all that, it, what they're doing is they're deflecting that energy off. You break the echo. Now, I know a lot of our colleagues, oh, no, there's demons and there's haunted, blah, blah, blah. Please. Um, really? So, so you get murdered somewhere or you have a heart attack somewhere and you want to hang out at, you know, the basement of, you know, uh, some dingy place when you could go literally be in the light. Um, and, and so that has been my experience. I mean, I got more to say on it, but I, I hope that answers your question. But that was well, a good question. Good. Yeah, I just, yeah, I recently had a reading with a girl and her grandfather was so dense and he just didn't feel the same really light joy that every other spirit that I really connected to felt. And he was so stuck to her. Like he felt like he was a part of her. Like he was stuck to her hip and wouldn't leave. And she said, he's with me all the time. I can feel him. And I'm like, yeah. And it was just so bizarre to me. I was like, Oh, I haven't felt this density um, from an energy before. So yeah. Well, just she was drawing him. Oh yeah. In, because yeah. of the grief. And she needed to, to learn to say, grandpa, you know, I'm, I'm releasing this connection and then he'll come to her when he needs to. Cause some people are like, I'm haunted. They're all over me. And, you know, it's like, uh, -huh. no. um, yeah, let's get a psychological profile on this person first. And I'm not being insulting because there's a lot of people that are very unhappy and they're, they're so overwhelmed with grief and they think that they're being haunted or they're being, uh, you know, stuck with the spirit and they're drawing the spirit to them and they need to learn to to let go of that connection not let go of the love for the person but this constant it's like the psychic junkies you know they need to come to a psychic every week it's like no you don't yeah no definitely thank you yeah that makes me think of um how the importance of like when you're doing a reading with someone and working through bringing the evidence in and, and their loved one through is almost like allowing them like you do in your afterlife frequency to create their own bond, their own relationship with their spirit and their loved ones, their own um, welcome them into start sharing and making their own connection. And I always encourage, I think my, you know, sitters or clients that I work with that it's beyond our time together here. Once you leave here, you can still work on that connection. And maybe, you know, we gave them almost like a, a permission to, to do this on their own. And, and they're like, oh, I can do this or, oh, I can work on that. It's like everyone's able to make their own connections to their loved ones. And it's so important yes. 
to really welcome that and invite them in to do that on their own. And your book has wonderful ways that they can work through that. It, 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 yes. And, and it's important for people to understand that you can connect with your loved ones in spirit. Um, but there's another side to that too. Um, Cause I get people sometimes they make an appointment, then they cancel. I figured out how to connect with them on my own and I'll just do that. And it's like, you got to be careful there too, because when you're having what you think is a connection, are you sure it's not your own imagination? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I know that, you know, yes, we can recognize the signs, but because there's some people think I, you know, and we have a lot of our colleagues become a medium, becoming not everyone's a medium, just like not everyone's an Olympic athlete. Not everyone is a calculus expert. You know, yes, you can do it to some extent. But, you know, we are we are specialists in this. This is what we do. And you can develop a connection. But some people um, then they they are not able to distinguish between a genuine connection and wishful thinking and their imagination. And so that's why we, we the, the four of us are evidential mediums, because we bring through facts and evidence that we could not possibly know, which are then objectively verified by the recipient, by the client, and that guarantees the authenticity of the contact. You know, because I get people all the time, well, I just do this all the time, I just do this all the time. And then when I'm trying to do a reading for them, they're constantly interrupting me and talking over me. It's like, no, they're not doing this all the time. Uh, oh, I know all sorts of stuff about mediumship, blah, 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 and they keep interrupting me. And it's like, then you don't. You don't interrupt the medium because you're severing yeah. the communication with, with them. Uh, and so, so yes, it's, it's important to, to understand the signs, but um, you also have to be careful that uh, you're not imagining the contact at some times. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, Stephen, yeah, because like spirit, if you're working, I find it's really difficult to work with my own spirit team. I like people that have passed. I just can't because I start to make things up in my mind. I will feel them around me and I will see them in my periphery. I will know that they're around me. Um, and yes, there's been dream visitations where I've clearly been with them. Um, but actually sitting and trying to like communicate, like, I think my mom would love if I would like connect with my brother or my uncle. And I'm like, I can't do that for you because I feel like I'm just making everything up. I know too much. <laughs> well, and, and that's part of it too. It's getting too close yeah. to it and see as, as mediums, we get to be, it's, it, you know, being an attorney, being a doctor, being a therapist, you have to have that professional separation. It doesn't mean that I don't feel I mean, so, some of the readings that we do, it's just absolutely heartbreaking what these people have been through and the losses and and how the, the person died is, is, is can be very, very devastating. But we have to maintain our professional demeanor because if you get emotionally involved, then we're losing our professional objectivity. I remember when I was practicing law, people say, you don't seem like you really care. And it's like, look, you can sit there and cry and freak out about your case, but I have to analyze the evidence, know what the law is and know how to hit back at the other side and mount an attack. And I can't do that if I'm flipping out. Okay. And I've heard doctors say that too. And they're, oh, that doctor is so cold. It's like, who cares as long as he or she is a really good doctor, you know, everyone wants, Oh, I feel so bad for you. Boo hoo. And it's like, um, and, and I'm not saying that I am not sympathetic to people's plights, but to be a, 
an effective professional, we have to maintain our objectivity. Also not jump to conclusions. I see people jump to, um, and I, I believe I mentioned this in either, I think it's in the afterlife frequency. I believe I mentioned this. I was on a show um, and as cable show, which I understand is now in its last year. It's been on for like 24 years. And the host of the show, she's really great in all this and she's a medium, but but she asked me to do readings on members of the audience. And I, and I was drawn to this one young lady. I said, there's a male coming through and I see a uniform and he's holding up a badge. And she goes, oh, my father was in New York City Police Department. And I said, I'm feeling my heart and I'm feeling, um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my heart and I'm hearing the word shots. Now, before I could say anything else, the host of the show was on her feet and she said, I hear shots too. Your father was shot in the line of duty. Before I could say no, the young lady goes, actually, he was in a bar doing shots of tequila with his friends when he had a heart attack and dropped dead. <laughs> yeah, perfect example. And in and, and, and the host of the show, she let her mind fill in the blanks because he was a cop. The word I said the word shots. I didn't say I heard him being shot. I heard the word shots. He was trying to tell me I died doing shots. I had the heart attack. So she filled in the blanks. And see, because I'm objective and 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 had that focus. And so that's why when people are doing the mediumship for themselves, mm -hmm. they don't have that professional buffer and they can jump to conclusions. Um, it was really kind of funny at the time, but but and it was embarrassing for her because this was live on television, too. Um, but but, you know, and I said, well, it was, you know, and I explained how, you know, this was easy to to make that that uh, assumption. But that's why we got to be careful jumping to conclusions with the information that come through that comes through as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's so true. I feel like. Um, for me, like I put my ego aside when I do readings and it's like, sometimes it might take me a minute to, uh, get all the information out. And then it's kind of like pinging it all together, but you don't want to, it's not always, um, literal, you know, or it yeah. can be, or it can be literal. Sometimes it's metaphorical. So you kind of have to let the, uh, information flow, but don't think to, don't try to analyze it. For sure. Right. I think that's sometimes mediums want to figure out why before it, and it's like, no, spirit's trying to tell us a story and we're just the vessel to to tell the story. We're not the ones that try to yeah. figure it So yeah, so well, it, yeah, exactly. Because each piece of information is like the piece of a puzzle. And this happened to me like a week ago. Uh, I love this one. I'm doing a, a phone reading for, for this one, really nice lady. And her husband came through and he says, Igloo. I go, Igloo. Okay, I live in Florida. We don't talk about igloos here. We don't like think of them. <laughs> it's like igloo. And she goes, oh my God. Now that's always a good thing for a medium to hear, right? I go, okay, because um, my interpretation doesn't matter. My job is to bring through the evidence. What I said, what does it mean to you? She goes, Mark, this is so weird. This is getting, all right. So when you hear, oh my God, and this is so weird, then we know we, we hit the bullseye. And she said, I was talking to my daughter, um, our daughter, you know, the husband, you know, who in spirit, 
Um, our daughter, I was talking to her on the phone yesterday. She's currently in Alaska. She's getting married there and she's planning her wedding. And she goes, and get this. She told me on the phone yesterday that her wedding planner used to live in an igloo. She goes, <laughs> I think that's it. And I'm go, oh, I'm sure that's it because I have, I'm fresh out of igloo associations. <laughs> I mean, what was that old movie, Nanak of the North? I mean, that was the only thing I could think of with an igloo. And I don't think her husband was talking about a movie from the 1950s called Nanak of the North. But but now, now that we have the information, let's analyze it. What her husband was doing, his spirit, his electromagnetic soul, was letting the mother and the daughter know, I am around you and I am aware of what is happening in your life. And he threw out something so unique as igloo, and it immediately made that connection in his wife because he knew that she'd connect the dots. Yeah. So it's more than just igloo. It was a whole process for him. So that's what I always tell people in my RAF technique, recognize science from spirits, accept it as real, feel without overthinking, then trust the message. Then after the message is in, then you can start thinking and analyzing it. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Igloo. <laughs> Igloo. It is the best. And they're like, this is so weird. And you're like, okay, come on, come on, come on. What are you going to tell me? What is it? I, I love when they go, well, I don't think this is it, but, and it's like, yeah, yeah but what else could it be? Oh, yeah. Oh, too funny. <laughs> and I, I love when their awareness just pops to, they know the answer. They know why we said what we said. It just brings them to a scene or an awareness. And they're like, oh, this has got to be it. So it's like this three-way communication. That's like, it's amazing. Yeah, it. Mm -hmm. You know, do you ever pinch yourselves? Yeah. I mean, do you ever like <laughs> real? Yeah. I'm like, this is amazing. This is like so amazing to be a witness. I feel like I'm a witness to what's happening, and then I'm amazed I'm part of it at the same time. It, it is. It's a great honor, and it's also a great responsibility. Um, and that's why I always caution people, you know, about jumping to conclusions. You know, because sometimes you'll get things like, let's say um, the, the person in spirit starts talking about somebody here and clients goes, does that mean they're going to die? It's like, no, it doesn't mean. Hey, remember that movie Kindergarten Cop with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Remember the one kid that I, he goes, I have a headache. He goes, it's a brain tumor. It is not a brain tumor. I mean, that that was, as, uh, as far as comedies go, that was one of my favorite. It was hilarious um, because people start jumping to conclusions and and like one time i got um this woman's father liked ernest hemingway i didn't know that until he said for whom the bell tolls and she goes well he loved hemingway and then she emails me back um after the ring says does that mean i'm gonna die soon <laughs> and it's like wow talk about overthinking it mm -hmm. and and um the truth is we're all gonna die it's just that we're doing it and we're all dying. We're just doing it at different rates. Yeah. Um, that That's a very, I mean, that, that's a fact, but that's a very Hindu way of looking at things. We're all dying. We're just doing it at different rates. And that's why we have to make the most of the time that we're given. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people miss out on that aspect. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Paige, did you have questions about angels? I do. I was wondering if you could um, 
talk about what your feelings are or your thoughts are on the difference between like an angel presence and maybe a spirit and a loved one in spirit. And if there is a difference or what you're. Yeah. Um, well, my take on angels is number one, they exist. And angel comes from the Greek word on hello, which means messenger of God, which when you look at when angels appear in scripture, that's what they're doing. Um, an angel appears to Mary, an angel appears to Joseph in his dreams, like, you know, get get Jesus and, and uh, Mary out of here before Herod comes and, you know, starts killing everybody. And angels um, are, I believe, an extension of the divine. Angels are, are um, intelligent, they're, they're spiritual intelligence, and they were never humans. Humans never become angels. And it's very typical for us to say, oh, my loved one died. He's now my angel. No, he is a spiritual influence and a spiritual guide. Angels are different beings. Um, at the risk of sounding um, Hollywood-esque, if you look at like Lord of the Rings, think of the elves. And J.R.R. Tolkien, who was a devout Catholic and a specialist in Nordic mythology, the elves and the word fairy, fairy comes from fair folk. And in Celtic um, mythology, or rather the Celtic belief systems of pre-Christian Britain and and uh, Britain, Scotland, and Ireland, um, the fair folk were the fairies who were the light beings, which correspond in Christianity to angels. And the fascinating thing is Hindus have angels, Muslims have angels, Buddhists have angels, pretty much every belief system has angels. So people don't become angels. Angels were never people. And the angelic frequency, it seems to be at a higher vibrational frequency than, than the one most humans are on. But human and angel spirits seem to get along really well and work in harmony. And that's just the tip of the iceberg that I've, I've got on, on uh, angelic um, energies. I, I, does that answer your question? Yeah, I feel like sometimes I, if I'm in a reading, I can just feel a presence of an angel, but not necessarily, yeah. it's not like they might, they might not say anything, but just know that they're being protected or guided or uh, overseen. But sometimes I also feel like um, a loved one that has passed over has gotten elevated as they pass over, almost like their, their soul has elevated to a point where they're learning more their wisdom is growing yes. they become more of a guardian so it, i kind of exactly. wanted to know what you yeah how you felt about that so oh sure and uh and uh the term guardian angel like we all right my understanding and from what i glean from working we have one main spirit guide from from womb to to tr transition back to the other side and that can be a human spirit or that can be an angelic entity then you've got other spirit influences around you, which can change over time. Uh, and they can be humans, they can be angels, and then they're connected to other spirits as well. So, you know, you're never alone. You always have this entourage of spiritual energies around you. And once, you know, you start acknowledging that you're never alone, that you do have, have this, you know, beautiful extension. And uh, around you. But a lot of people, you know, they say, well, then, you know, why do horrible things happen? Why do people get murdered and all that? Well, there, there's so many, so many explanations uh, for that. Um, 
a dear friend of mine, uh, uh, Colonel Dr. Diane Cochran, recently passed, and she was an Army nurse who rose to the rank of colonel in, back during the Vietnam War, and she started chronicling um, uh, soldiers' near-death experiences on the battlefield. And let me tell you, the, the military did not want to know about any of this, but she was one of the first, and and she died recently. Uh, what a magnificent person. And she did a lot of work with people who died on the battlefield and then came back. And they were talking about, I saw angels, and I went into the light and all this, and the military was like, section eight them, you know, makes their, they're insane and get them out of here. And so that's why IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies, does have a veterans division for the veterans and military personnel who had NDEs, and they need to be able to talk to somebody else who can relate to that. And angelic entities are oftentimes some of the energies that we spot when when people go when the, in a near-death experience. So, and animals, animals have souls, and any being capable of the emotional love is capable of spirit communication. I love that, Mark. I love that you talked about the the animals, but I also love that you do some, or she did that research with the veterans. Can you talk a little bit about your near-death research that you're into that you expand on? I know that's a big question, but I was well, just- I grew up, Yeah, I grew up in a household where both my parents had NDEs, and then I did when I was four. And I don't talk about mine because that's in the afterlife frequency, and it's really key to the book. So I don't want to give away when a no spoiler alerts on that. But in the research that I've done, I've seen that my electromagnetic soul theory definitely explains this. And on June 10th, and if people go to my website, afterlifefrequency.com, go into my calendar of events, go to June, you can register for the free Spiritual Awakenings International uh, Conference. And I'm going to be doing a presentation called the NDE zone. And I'm going to talk about, there's the afterlife frequency, there's our material wor world frequency, and how near-death experiences occur in the zone between. And I'll be introducing and, and reiterating uh, my theories that I put forth in, in the afterlife frequency. Also, I'll be going back uh, through some scripture because near-death experiences have been chronicled since the Old Testament, and also some of the latest discoveries in the past two years, excuse me, in, in the past, yeah, the past year, uh, we've had two major discoveries in the scientific community that indicate that consciousness survives physical death, and also, which seems to support very heavily my electromagnetic soul theory. And so these are some of the things that I'll be discussing at Spiritual Awakenings International on June 10th. And, you know, go to my website, which is the same as my book, afterlifefrequency.com. And uh, you can sign up for that. I invite people to sign up for my newsletter. You can schedule a reading with me. Um, I also write for Best Holistic Life magazine. And my April article is entitled, A Well of a Tale in the Near-Death Experience. And... I'll just throw a teaser out. I explain how since ancient times, near-death experiences have been recorded. And I have a theory about a very well-known Bible story, Jonah and the whale. 
So I'm just leaving it there. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Mark, you are so fun to interview and talk to. And like, I think all of us, we could spend hours, days with you. Um, and we're just so pleased that you share with our listeners about your research, about your books, about your uh, the way you think, the way you process and understand the spirit world. And we just wanted to thank you uh, from the bottom of our hearts coming on and sharing with us today. You are amazing. We're so lucky to have you. Thank you. Well, you, thank you for having me on and I welcome the opportunity to return. Well, you guys are fun to talk to because it's, it's, um, I love, you know, I, I do a live stream show every Thursday, the psychic and the doc. You can find out about that on my website as well. And we do take calls from listeners and I do many readings for people. And my co-host, Dr. Pat Vasily is a world renowned behavioral psychologist. And what's cool about working with her is something will come through and I'll explain it to someone and they'll be like, okay, I think I understand. And then Dr. Pat will say, look at it like this. And then all of a sudden you see the realization coming there and, you know, nobody else is, is doing this. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's been, you know, when we talk about healing and Dr. Pat and I uh, were discussing this on the show last night, how that's what we're here to do is we're here as, as uh, an instrument to help people heal. And so I, I invite people to do that, uh, to tune into that as well. And I, I welcome the opportunity coming back because being interviewed by people who understand this, we can get to the really good questions as opposed to, you know, the, the basic fundamentals, which are important to know, but, but it's for all of us, I think it's more fun to talk about, about more advanced aspects of spirit communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love the fact that we can share here your experiences, our experiences, and that we can normalize the mediumship world in some ways and bring awareness that it is such an amazing way to heal through grief, through trauma, and really to bring uh, some love and support from the other side, which they are always with us. And nice. it's uh, it's great to feel like that we're not alone. Um, we always have them with us. So thank you again so much, Mark. Um, please go check out his website, go buy his books. They are life-changing. Actually listen to the afterfly frequency on, so you can audit, listen to the audio because he actually narrates it and it's so well done. Um, it's an amazing book, Mark. Thank you so much. Thank you. You thank are you amazing. Being. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mark, for everything you're doing for everyone in this world. It's so appreciated. Thank you. Thank you.